Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Welcome to our Monday Night Truth and Liberty live cast. I'm Andrew Womack. I've got Richard Harris here. He's our chief counsel. Uh, does that still apply? Well, not technically. Not technically. He was the chief counsel for our ministry and doing uh, Truth and Liberty, and we've hired another lawyer so that he could devote more time to our Truth and Liberty. But boy, Richard is a blessing. We've been holding meetings. We, we can't give all the details, but we've been holding meetings with pastors and David and Tim Barton and Mark Gonzalez have been coming in. And I tell you, it's making an impact. We're going to see Colorado turn back to being a red state where Jesus is exalted Amen. and all of the liberals are demoted. Amen. <laughs> so anyway, good things are happening. We are pre-recorded tonight because of it being Labor Day. And so you won't be able to ask your questions, but we've still got a lot of things. We got a Truth and Liberty conference coming up here just what, within a week or so? Yeah, just so. Uh, this week, September yeah, 8, so, 9, and 10. Uh, share with the people all about that. Well, yeah, so this week, September 8th, 9th, and 10th in Woodland Park, Colorado at Karis Bible College, we are having our Truth and Liberty Conference, and Mario Murillo, who's joining us tonight, is actually going to be there and be uh, speaking and ministering. It's going to be a powerful time. The lineup of, of uh, ministers is just phenomenal. Andrew, you're going you're gonna to speak, but Mario and uh, Lance Wallnow, Eric Metaxas, Pastor Rob McCoy, if you haven't ever heard him, I tell you what, he's a powerful man of God. Um, Congress Woman Lauren Boebert, David Barton, uh, Bill Fetter. I mean, it's just amazing. Doug Lamborn, Doug Congressman Lamborn. Dan, Doug Lamborn. Yeah. We got a lot of people. And Richard and Harris. I, I'll be speaking. So I tell you what, last year Richard ministered one of the best messages oh, I think I've ever heard in my life. It was heavy. stirring. Thank you. If it didn't light your fire, your, your wood was wet. wet. <laughs> it was awesome. Amen. Well, so, you. What else? What else is going on? Well, lots of stuff is happening here at Truth and Liberty and Andrew Womack Ministries. There's some other events coming up. I wanted to mention the uh, the Ministers Conference, which is in the first week of October, is also right around the corner. So you guys need to make sure to uh, make plans for that. That's October 3rd through the 7th. Uh, we also have the Grace Encounters Conference, which is this month, September 22nd to 24th, here at Karis. And with... Uh, Dwayne That's with Sheriff. Dwayne Sheriff. And it's going to be awesome. Dwayne is another awesome uh, uh, minister. Man, his his uh, revelation of the word is phenomenal. Listen, I wanted to mention, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, please consider doing that. I know we all get so many emails, but I think ours are really powerful and useful because mm -hmm. what we're doing is not just trying to promote uh, our ministry. We want to equip you. That's why we're always talking about other organizations and about resources. And you need to go on the Truth and Liberty website and check out our resources 
resources page. We're always updating that and adding new information. Here's a few things. My Faith Votes has My Voter Hub. You want to check that out. It has all the resources you need to get informed and equipped. Um, also, uh, they're sponsoring September 18th is Voter Registration Sunday across America. So you need to tell your pastor about this. It's easy as pie to do. They've got the kit. They've got the resources. Just get on there, check it out, and become that person in your church to make sure that your church gets registered to vote. Also, uh, Wealth Builders Pro Values Index. You remember a few weeks ago we had on Billy Epperhart and Chad Franson on the Truth and Liberty Livecast that talked about how can you use your investments and your money to support conservative values, to support those organizations and businesses that uh, follow conservative principles instead of those woke corporations out there. And also, Andrew's got a, a, a publication out there called 10 Lies of Socialism Exposed. You need to print that thing off, study it, put it in your pocket, and be ready uh, to uh, stand up for truth on some of these amazing cultural issues. And I want to mention, too, if you're not a donor or a we, we call you know, we call them members here at Truth and Liberty, but I want to invite you to consider becoming a member. Um, if you, When you support Truth and Liberty, you're helping us equip the body of Christ to be Christ's representative in the public square, to stand for truth, biblical truth. You know, Jesus said He is the truth. When you stand up for truth, whatever it is, you're standing up for Christ. And so help us do that, would you? Go on and become a donor or a member today by making a recurring contribution of $5 or more per month, and we'll send you a free gift in the mail. We'll send you this Declaration of Independence, Constitution of the United States, and Andrew's own Declaration of Dependence Upon God and His Holy Word. And I didn't mention, but I should have, for subscribers, uh, we'll put your name in a hat and you could win a, uh, one of Andrew's products. This week we're giving away Lessons from David, How to Be a Giant Killer. This is an awesome book. And uh, I tell you, God has called all of us to be giant killers. And there's truths in here that will just absolutely change your life. So subscribe today and be eligible for that. And last thing I wanted to mention is if you need prayer, um, call in to 719-635-1111. And uh, I... I, I, it's hard to convey this, Andrew, because I know these people, these young men and women, you do too, that are in that mm -hmm. phone center of yours. These are spirit-filled, Word of God-trained prayer ministers who know how to go before the Lord in faith and receive. And there are miracles every day coming out of that phone center. Absolutely. I think you have tens of thousands of people per month are being ministered to because Absolutely. of that. So take advantage of that today. Receive. We're running about eight, over 80,000 calls a month now. Wow. It's amazing. That is awesome. So it's awesome. And let me also just say that, you know, uh, we're doing a lot of things behind the scenes, things that we can't go public with uh, because it would draw so much attention that it would uh, negate the effectiveness of what we're doing. But uh, it's really good. And I really believe you'd be blessed if you participated. Amen. It's awesome. So we got Mario Murillo with us tonight, and he's a friend. I tell you, I've gotten to love this man and he really doesn't need much of an introduction. I think you've become pretty popular here, or well-known. Not all of it is popular. There may be some people that don't like you, but you're making an impact, Mario, and we are just thrilled to have you back on our Truth and Liberty livecast with us. Well, thank you. I, I got to tell you, I feel such a, an anointing on this show already, wow. and I, I'm thrilled to be here. There's a lot of things I don't get to do. And like you said, you know, there's behind the scenes things we can't talk about. And I'm very careful what interviews I grant, but I believe in your ministry so much. And that's not flattery. That's just a fact. You're a great man of God and you're having an amazing effect. And it's a thrill to be honored uh, to be connected with you in this, uh, in this time. It's wonderful. 
Well, Mario, many people know you. You've been holding some large meetings, and I think you've got your own tent now and traveling yes, and holding crusades. You see a lot of people uh, healed, but I guess primarily it's evangelistic. You see a lot of people saved. But uh, maybe you could share a little bit of your testimony first. I was reading some of the things before we went on the air, and I read some things about you that I hadn't heard you say, and I just would, I'm always interested how God get started on a person and I can take those things and apply it to my life. So give us a little bit of your testimony. Well, this backdrop is the streets of San Francisco and that's where I was born again. And uh, San Francisco is not famous for producing evangelists. <laughs> and in the tumultuous 1960s, uh, there was revolution going on. That's why none of this surprises me. I saw woke when it started and on the university campus at Berkeley, where God called me, was the most intellectual. You know, we used to have a joke that the Russians would never bomb the People's Republic of Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And it was literally a communistic city within America. And in that city, God began to move, and he led me there to speak to students. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit dramatically, and then God began to give me the equipment I needed to go against an intellectual, godless, elite group of students and watch God convert them. It started with dozens and then hundreds and then thousands. And since that day, I, I've never, I hit the ground running, never looked back, always kept the gospel in front. One of the themes of my life was that because I was converted in a very violent, racially violent situation in a high school where bu forced busing brought races together in a very violent and sad and tragic way. So from the very beginning, my faith was based on what I saw God do on the streets, what I saw God do in race relations, and that's what one conclusion I came to. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. It is the greatest Amen. thing that mankind has ever heard. Nothing comes close, nothing, it has no competition when it comes to dealing with the heart, suicide, addiction, brokenness, and everything we're going through right now. It, the gospel is not only, you know, we hear all these stats about how young people don't want it, and we're gonna talk about it, but the fact is, when they are touched by the power of God, they are helpless before the love, the cleansing, the liberation that Christ does. And, and that's why I've been more bold than I've ever been before because I see what the gospel does to people. Well, you mentioned that you were converted in high school. Were you, did you have a church background or were you a believer or a non-believer? What was your situation? Well, I was uh, one of eight children and raised in poverty in the Mission District of San Francisco. And my dad was a non-practicing Catholic and my mom was a non-practicing Baptist. So that canceled any kind of church life for us growing up. And when we did go, all the services were in Spanish, so I didn't know what was going on. And then one day I was dared to go to church. Uh, and it was a young student and he invited me from my high school to go to church. And I told him, I, that time I was studying Marxism and I told him, I said, there's gonna be a group of old people there, a handful of them sprinkled all through the building and there's gonna be stuff said that's totally irrelevant to my life. And you know what, I went on a dare and I was absolutely correct. It was sprinkled, it was old. And the first half, 
But then something shocking happened. The group from New York City Teen Challenge under the leadership of David Wilkerson brought seven young men who were set free from heroin addiction. You have to understand, for me, it isn't getting out of a wheelchair or a blind eye open. It's being from the inner city and hearing that someone got off of heroin. Because I'll tell you, no one ever did. No one in our neighborhood ever got, once they're on, it's for life until the grave. And when they said that they got off, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to preach the gospel. It was like God bypassed. He didn't say, I want you to get saved. He said, I want you to preach the gospel. Well, the, my, I fought it. Like my legs wanted to go forward, but the upper part I was fighting, holding on to the pew. And it was so real. And it was like the road to Damascus when suddenly on October the 4th, 1964, I broke loose from the grip of that pew and ended up at an altar. And I was completely converted. I mean, it was not, uh, you know, I know a lot of people that say, well, they went through this for a couple of years and they find it. It was violent, it was clear, it was undeniable. And within the next 14 days, I had led a friend of mine to Christ every single day, my wow. conversion. That's awesome. I had won 14 friends before I even knew what the word witnessing was. So did you ever get caught up in the drug scene or any of that? No, I didn't. For some reason, I just, around me, uh, you know, you remember David Wilkerson's book, yep. The Cross and the Switchblade. Yeah. I wanted to write one because it was fashionable after the Jesus movement broke out to talk about all the stuff you did before you were saved. Well, I didn't have that much. So my testimony would have been the cross and the butter knife because <laughs> I was around it, but never in it. And God oh, sovereignly saved me. It was amazing. Well, that's awesome. And so bring us up to date. What are you doing now? Then we're going to talk about what our situation is in our nation. But how is the Lord using you now? You know, one of the things I'd like to indicate is that right there near you in Colorado Springs last July, we did a crusade. And we had 800 leaders involved in it. We had nearly 5,000 people under the tent. And I, all of these lies you hear about Colorado, and you said it at the top of the show, we are going to see this state flip red from blue. Mm -hmm. And all of the, the stuff you hear about young people not wanting to get saved, we had 1,500 volunteers. A lot of them were worried that there wouldn't be enough work to go around until the first altar call utilized every single volunteer Praise that we God. had. Praise they were God. all at an altar weeping with some young person or some individual that needed to be born again. So it was an amazing event there, right there in Colorado Springs. Well, we had some of the people I know that participate. I was out of town. That was right after our Summer Family Bible Conference, but I heard nothing but good reports. It was sounded like Amen. it was really awesome. And you saw a lot of miracles happen? Yes, sir. People would return to their doctor. Uh, one young lady got a card on the street. She was unable to walk uh, with, with any kind of strength or power. And she wasn't a Christian. She came to the meeting. I'm preaching. And down below on the left-hand side of me by the speakers is this young lady being held up. Uh, they, they've got, they're holding her under her arms to get her to stand up. And she's sobbing, interrupting me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm, I, I can't wait. I got to have a miracle. 
And of course, that is so intimidating. And you're in front of thousands of people. There's no way to fake that. There's nothing you can do. So I just absolutely turned around and said, Jesus, this is a moment that I have no strength for. I, I can't make this up. This is, this is something. Well, it turned out that the Holy Spirit had driven her to the front. She was under the power of God before I said a word. I didn't have to give a word of knowledge. I didn't give anything. All of a sudden, they let her go. And when she first started across the tent, there's that moment where she was stumbling and fumbling, and I thought she was going to fall down, and something told me to just absolutely stand my ground and just let everyone love on her because she wanted to do it. Nobody was forcing her. But, brother, when she got to the end and came back, whoever that girl was that walked over here was not the same person Amen. that walked wow. over there. That's and awesome, she was too. walking and leaping and praising God. That's and great. then... He got saved. Okay. You know, I remember. Theology is scattered. <laughs> but she then got born again. I remember T.L. Osborne talking about that when he ministered overseas. He never finished a message because miracles had just started happening, and then he'd have to just give an invitation. But he said in the United States, he never was interrupted. <laughs> but praise God, it sounds like you were interrupted with the power of God already ministering and touching people. Yes, and that's one of I don't know how many hundreds of cases in one of the areas where God is using us dramatically and we're returning there in a crusade in November is the Highway 99 in California. Uh, this is one of the most absolutely devastated areas of America is along Highway 99. The homeless problem there is, uh, it's a human tragedy is what it is. And the way God is using us, our teams are going in there laying hands on the sick. Half of the healings we see are not even under the tent. They're out in the neighborhoods That's and they're, they're powerful. You know, we just got through with the Healing is Here conference and we had Audrey Mack and uh, Carly Teredes, myself, Richard Roberts, and we had probably 2,000 people in attendance, but we had at least 600 that verified they were already healed. And I know that there was many, many more but um, God's doing great things. We hear all of this bad news about what's happening, but man, you're seeing a lot. You're, uh, would you class it as a revival or an outpouring of God? Or how would you uh, summarize what God's doing in America today? Well, you know, Brother Andrew, before the show, you and I were talking about how so much is exaggerated today. That, the, that we've cheapened the miraculous because there's so many voices on social media yeah. claiming a bunch of stuff. It's never verified. We demand that people make an attempt to get medical confirmation of their healing to the glory of God. Well, the fact is that what we're watching today is what I saw in the Jesus movement. I was in the Jesus movement as a young preacher so I, I have a perspective of having watched a cultural shift due to the massive number of people that were turning to God. Now, the indications are that we're in one now. And one of the things that I feel is that if we could in this broadcast take people's view of the things they uh, regard as being impediments and obstacles of young people being saved, 
are the actual launching pads for it. And I never saw it before, but I just want to take a moment and comment on sure. that. In, in John chapter 4, verse 35, it says this in the Living Bible, do not think the work of harvesting will begin until the summer ends. Do you not think that the work of harvesting will not begin till the end of summer ends four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields of human souls are ripening around us and are ready for reaping. The Holy, so I asked the Lord, I said, what a wonderful way to word it. Vast fields of souls are ripening using the concept of, of farming and what happens to crop. The way a human soul ripens is through misery. And that's why in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus, the Bible said he had compassion on the crowd for they were sheep without a shepherd. And it went into this description in the original language of desolation, of being forgotten and left. Woke has made America miserable. Yep. On every level, the color, the life, the vitality, the innocence, the joy, there's not a relationship it hasn't ruined. There's not a concept of life that it hasn't taken the, the, the enjoyment out of. It's made people suspicious. It's so amazing that this so supposedly open culture we're in is the most judgmental, the most strict, the most suffocating, demanding what pronouns we use, demanding that we be offended about everything. Well, what it's doing is made Americans miserable yeah, and okay. susceptible. And if someone, and this is why an apologetic gospel is the worst mistake we could ever make in a pulpit. Why are we apologizing? It's like, uh, breaking the news of water to someone dying of thirst in a subtle way. Why would you do that? <laughs> they want it. They're ready for it. Amen. They're starving for it. Be bold. Preach the cross, the blood, the repentance, the resurrection of Christ. Preach it with absolute openness, and, and you will see people running from everywhere. They're, they're yep. going to come. They're already coming. We can't keep up with it. And, you know, I see that the body of Christ, it, just like you were saying, they're waking up because they're seeing all of this misery and they're seeing what's happening. And, man, there's Christians coming alive everywhere. Mm -hmm. We just had our yeah, opening are. day of school today. And I tell you, it was phenomenal to see, I don't know, 11, 1,200 people in there just worshiping God and words of knowledge coming and things happening. And I believe that we are in a great awakening and yes, you, can, you can choose to look at all of the woke stuff, and it's certainly there, or you can choose to look at what God is doing, but not many people are publicizing what God is doing, so it seems like the devil is getting the top billing, but God's doing some awesome things, and you're one of the big parts of it, Mario. We appreciate it. I appreciate this opportunity to just add to that, that not only is God moving today, but I really believe that if you're a minister and you're a pastor, you have got to speak out, not only, and here is the greatest misnomer, and I wish I had a stronger word. It's a red herring, it's a canard, it's a falsehood to think that we could leave political commentary out of the pulpit mm -hmm. because it will dissuade the lost soul from being saved. It's just the opposite. Yeah. When people know that you take a stand for gender, for marriage, for morality, when you preach moral absolutes, it, there's, a, there's a collective sigh of relief from the, the hurting soul. Finally, someone, it's like a child that's been left to itself. 
and is suddenly in uh, with someone that loves them and gives them boundaries and says, look, I care about you. That's why I'm telling you the truth. And I told a, a large group of pastors, the most dangerous thing you could do is to leave truth out of your pulpit for fear that it might divide your church because you don't understand what it's really looking like from the other side. You see it from your side. You don't see it from their side. Take the spirit-filled lady that goes down to the school board meeting and she's standing against a uh, curriculum that's diabolical and debauchery. Yep. Yep. And she looks around and wonders, where's my pastor? And we don't want to put pastors down. They're, men and women are serving God all over the place. But what I'm trying to say is I want to encourage the pastor who's on the fence. Come off the fence. Start preaching the absolute truth. You know, and they say, you can't mention politics. But you know, whenever I mentioned drugs before this, all this wokeness happened, nobody was against me. I said heroin was bad, everybody said amen. I said crack cocaine is bad, everybody said amen. No one accused me of being a pharmacist. <laughs> See, but the minute that you mention politics, they call you a politician. There's no difference. The new drug is wokeness. Yeah. And the new answer is to attack it as you would any other evil. That this will hurt you, it'll kill you, it'll put your children into the worst prison they can imagine. And the gospel is the answer. Well, Mario, you're real outspoken. So how are people responding to you? There's a fear that if I say the truth, I'm going to drive people off. It seems to be just the opposite in your ministry. You know, I really believe in that verse that says, he who rebukes will in the end receive more favor than he who flatters. And, and the, the feeling that I have is that if you're willing to brave the initial rejection and you're willing to brave the initial blowback from people and what the press might say, if you hold on, you're going to see the tables turned and people rally to your cause and God's going to give you momentum. And that's why I believe it's worth every, it's faith. See, we've, we've talked about faith. It takes faith to say, God told me to say this. It's going to cause a problem. But God told me to say it, but it's going to cause a problem. But I believe that since God told me to say it, I'm going to say it. It's going to cause a ripple. But in the end, my faith will stand and the, the word will not return void in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, Mario, you said something at the beginning that I want to ask you about. You said that when you got filled with the Holy Spirit, that God gave you the equipment you needed to go into the Berkeley campus and, and all of these people started getting saved. What were you talking about there? What kind of equipment did God give you? Well, the Bible, the, the first thing I really believe that God gives you is discipline to study, uh, to absorb. I really believe that there are a lot of public speakers that are lazy and they don't check their facts and they don't try to understand Paul read the Bible, and uh, I mean, he wrote the New Testament, but he was so conversant in Scripture, and that's what the Holy Spirit uses, is how much of the Word of God you commit to your heart. But also, there's other literature that you have to be aware of. On, the, on Mars Hill, Paul took the argument, made the case by quoting a Greek poet who said, we are also his offspring. And he used that to destroy polytheism. There aren't a bunch of gods. We're all the children of one God who created us, 
who sent his son, and now he has fixed a day in which he will judge by that Jesus who died and was raised from the dead. Second, what I learned is that I had to be able to resist the temptation to look at an audience and, and project before it was the time what their reaction would be. I couldn't base what I did on their reaction. It had to be based on what I knew I was told to do. And I think that everyone will understand that, you know, uh, I, I hire people and I don't look for talent as much as, as loyalty, faithfulness. And I remember where Paul said, because I was faithful, God made me able. You can add talent to loyalty, but it's very difficult to add loyalty to talent. Mm -hmm. And I've discovered strongly that God would give me the information I needed because he knew my heart. He knew that I wanted to be effective with the students. And so he unlocked step after step, organizational understanding, philosophical understanding, the right words, what to leave out, and find out what is not essential. And I think as we grow older, we find out that one of the passions in life is to get rid of everything that's not essential and to understand what you ought to be focused on and where your energy and your time and all your strength has to be placed. Well, Mario, I got a question for you. You mentioned being a part of the Jesus movement, and I got turned on to the Lord in 1968 and then got drafted and sent to Vietnam. So I wasn't actually a part of the Jesus movement. I got the Jesus People magazine and read it and heard about it, and I know Arthur Blessed, and he's told me a lot of things. But you were in that, and David Barton was on my program last year, and he was saying the difference between this third great awakening and the Jesus movement is that the Jesus movement didn't get into politics. It exactly. didn't do anything. And I mean, California had probably one of the greatest moves of God with the Jesus people. But here we are a generation later, and California has gone totally woke because they didn't apply it to their culture. I would like to get your comparison between then and now, what's happening. You know, uh, I, I see the Jesus movement as the, having the temperament of a lamb. It was acoustic music. It was love and peace, flowers. We had the drawings of doves, and we sat in a circle, and we sang rounds. Uh, now it's a different matrix. It's the lion. We had the lamb. Now we have the lion. And I feel like the third wave, the one that David Barton is mentioning, is the temperament of it is described in Joel, where it says, I will pour out of my spirit on your sons and daughters, and they will prophesy. Well, let me tell you something. The prophetic is not what we a lot of people have made it into. It's not a horoscope. It's not parlor games. It's speaking truth to power. Yeah. I'm going to bet that the real prophets don't go by that title, don't apply the title, won't call themselves a prophet. What they'll do is they'll fulfill the office. Yeah. And the office of prophet is to speak truth to power. I say that a true prophet is not afraid to rebuke the king, yeah. call out evil, speak to injustice with the mighty voice of God. People forget that Billy Graham, they, they, they don't remember him for the prophetic edge that he had. 
What he told America was, you're on your way to destruction because you're honoring communism. He said that in the 50s. He stood before America, he faced down presidents, he called out immorality. He was operating not only as an evangelist, but as a prophet. That's what the youth in this third wave are going to do. They're going to be politically involved because that's where the wickedness is. Satan is using politics as a body shield. You know how in the movies, uh, the enemy will grab someone and use them as a shield. Hmm. And in the Middle East, the terrorists were working from mosques because they knew the American soldier wouldn't blow up a mosque or attack a mosque. Well, that's the same thing. The devil is so convinced the church that politics is a body shield. The devil's standing behind politics saying, you can't comment on this. You can't deal with this. You can't fight this. Well, take the, it's not about politics. You're speaking evil. What's coming yeah. out of Joe Biden right now is unmitigated evil against the church. And, and anyone that doesn't see that is fooling themselves. They're, they're using that as an excuse to just say, I don't see what's going on, but it's, it's plain. Yeah. The next revival is going to be young people that realize the reason I'm in the political arena is because that's where the evil is and that's where I'm sent. Elijah went to Ahab and that was political. Yeah. Elijah told him, you have troubled Israel. I'm not the one. You've done it. He pointed the finger at him. And that's what I feel is going to happen with this next wave of youth. Amen. That's and you know, we are in a position now where I think in the past, the church has been kind of left alone and the spirit of Antichrist has been working on other things. But now, I mean, the church is in the crosshairs. They are putting pastors and godly people in jail. They are uh, taking their jobs yeah. away and stuff. And I mean, it's just to a place to where we got to stand up and fight now or we're going to be overcome. Mm -hmm. And you know what I really believe is one of the things that's going to wake people up. I wrote a book called uh, Do Not Leave Quietly. And I give all of the, the, the factors of why we have to speak up right now. But one of them is it's all about the children. Yep. And uh, there's a saying that says, you know, about our children. It was Thomas Paine that said, if there must be trouble, let it be in my day that my child may have peace. Mm -hmm. What is the world we're going to leave for our kids? If we're allowing school to do this and we're allowing, uh, and it's, it's idealistic to say everybody can drop out of public school. Uh, many, many lower class or economically stressed Christians can't do that. So we have to go in there and make a difference and an impact because we're going to have a world that they're going to grow up in. And if we don't rock the boat, as the saying says, and get in the fight of good and evil, it'll be easier for us, but it won't be for our children. And this is what it's all about. So let me ask you this too. I know that on the news, we're seeing uh, terrible things. Uh, I, I, have a, I have a friend in Illinois that in the county right next to him, they actually have a teacher who comes to school with ears and a tail on and uses a litter box in the classroom in front of the kids. And they now are putting litter boxes in there for kids that want to identify as a cat or a dog. And so we could talk about all of this terrible stuff going on, but 
are you encouraged or discouraged? Are we winning or losing, or is it at a tipping point? What's your uh, assessment of the situation? I am really glad you asked me that, Andrew. I'm going to tell you what I think. It's extreme, isn't it? It is. It's almost mindlessly over the top, embarrassingly, indescribably insane. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because the Bible says Satan knows that his time is short. Whatever thing woke is going to do to display itself, having little kids sitting on the lap of a stripper to have exercise on a stripper pole, all of that. Uh, we have a church in Houston announcing their drag queen night. Um, mm. So it, it, it is over the top, but it ought to tell us something. Why is this being done? It's like the devil says something is coming that's going to correct this course. Something, and I do believe that God is going to correct America. I believe that, that America is guilty of a massive bloodshed that would make Hitler blush when you think about abortion. There is moral correction coming. And that, that change, whatever it's going to do, the devil knows it's coming. And so he now must pull out every last vestige of perversion that he can. It's as it, and you know what I liken it to? In the book of Matthew, when that young boy had a demon and Jesus was casting it out, and it tore its mm -hmm. way out of that young man, screaming and doing all of this. Well, that's what the devil is doing. He knows that deliverance is coming, something's coming. And I don't know that the church is really ready for it because there are gonna be healings, drama, miracles, uh, people that their lives might be taken, like Ananias and Sapphira, because God is deadly serious about the inspiration of the Bible, holiness in the pulpit, power and joy, and the teaching of the Word of God, and the proper expression of the gifts of the Spirit. All of that is coming. I think the devil knows it, and whatever he's going to do, he has to do it right now. And I really believe that Satan loves to transform himself as an angel of light and kind of operate below the surface. To come out in the open so blatantly the way that he's promoting this stuff, I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's because he's panicked. Uh, this is not his M.O. normally. And uh, it just shows that I believe that we are in the beginnings of a great awakening. So. You can sit there and look at all the bad and focus on it, or you can look at it as, man, the devil is desperate, and it's just an indication that God's on the move. I'm encouraged. You know, that Amen. I believe that it is a third great awakening, but I'm, I keep thinking about the scripture that says um, that uh, he will build his house, and, and then his glory will come and inhabit it, but he says there will be a shaking. He will shake heaven and earth. And I'm wondering if part of what we're seeing is this shaking and, and the message to the church is uh, you, you need to get on board and get aligned, right? Or you're not going to exist anymore. And there seems to be a separation happening in the body of Christ between the woke pastors, like you're saying, yep. and those who are, are following yep. the true uh, living son of God. What do you think, Mario? The primary reason that a woke pastor is going to have trouble is the new converts. They're not going to have it. Mm. You look back at the Jesus movement, he had all these young men with long hair and no shoes on walked into church. And the first reaction of the church is, you need a haircut and a pair of shoes. <laughs> but they were short, 
short-term thinking. What they didn't understand is that that would be easy. Sure, I'll get a haircut, put on a pair of shoes, but why don't you tell me why I walked into this church, why I don't want drugs anymore, why I'm suddenly, and why are you talking about stuff that I don't want? I want reality, I want power. The Jesus Movement New Converts forced the church to get back in the Bible, forced yeah, them sure. to start praying, forced them to be what they, you know, they say, hey, you know, this is what the menu says Christianity is, and I don't see it in you, so I need it now. The woke pastor is going to come across and make as much sense as a screen door on a submarine when thousands <laughs> of young people want reality. Why are you talking about this nonsense? I want reality. You got some great illustrations, uh, word <laughs> pictures that you use there. Yeah. You know, I was visiting with Alveda King uh, last night. We had a function at our place, and it was powerful. We had some of the greatest pro-life leaders around. And anyway, I was visiting with her that, you know, Martin Luther King used to pastor Ebenezer Bast Baptist Church right. there, and now Raphael Warnock is the pastor there. And I was telling her, I said, I bet Martin Luther King would roll over in his grave. And we were just saying, if that guy is born again, it is really well hidden. But he has all of the trappings of a person who, he was using the Bible to justify abortion and saying that this yes. is what the Bible preaches. And so this shaking that Richard was talking about and all this stuff, it's, uh, it's revealing. People are taking sides. And you're losing this middle ground. People are becoming hot or cold, black and white. And I think it's really good for the body of Christ. It's a purging that's taking place. Yep. And, you know, the, the, I think God gave the American church a lot of time to come into unity. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to use persecution. And, uh, you know, God uses whatever the enemy tries to do. He'll, yep. he'll, he'll boomerang it back in the devil's face. But we cannot deny that this is happening. And suddenly, it's going to be difficult for pastors who are on the fence, and Warnock is not on the fence. He, his, no. He's so open-minded, his brains have fallen out. <laughs> so what we, what we have in him is a deceiver. He's, mm -hmm. he's a false voice. He's lying about the Bible. And so I look at it this way. At the moment that we're in, God is going to shake everything. Mm -hmm. I thought about why did God kill Ananias and Sapphira in church? Was it because they abused money? Well, I have, a, I have an opinion about that. I think it had to do with when they did it. They were doing it when God was trying to demonstrate the power of the gospel to Jerusalem and miracles were happening on a vast scale. Acts chapter five is one of the most explosive demonstrations of healing that we ever see in the word of God. They came from everywhere, brought the sick. The Bible says that even the shadow of Peter falling on some of the sick, they were being healed. Against that moment, they were playing with money. That's why I think, why has suddenly these mega Christian concert ministries suddenly had an upheaval and stuff revealed about them because of when they're doing this. They're doing it while the nation is about to be lost. This is no time to be playing games. Yep. This is a time to stand for truth because 
everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And you will have the, the motivation of your ministry exposed. You'll have your priorities revealed. And that's why you want to dig in and take your stand on the rock. Make sure that everything you're teaching is absolutely founded on the rock because God is going to separate the sheep and the goats. It's happening right now. I've been studying the last few days in Isaiah, and I was just reading about how the Lord brought judgment on them because they had rejected him. And he said that it was a time for mourning and a time of repenting, and instead they were ha having parties and rejoicing. That's where that statement about let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And he implied that if they just would have repented, he would have at least lessened the thing, but they were they were just acting like everything's okay. And that's really descriptive of the American church as our culture has been going down the toilet. The American church has just been enjoying the benefits of their salvation and forgetting the rest of us. And, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, I think that's it was, a word for the hour. Wasn't it that uh, is Finney that said that if uh, America ever goes down the tube, the responsibility has to be laid at the feet of the clergy. We're the ones that God yeah. holds accountable for that. Yes, and I, I certainly believe that at this moment, we're going to see more and more and more exposure of uh, double lives, abuse of funds, uh, people that, that are celebrities, that suddenly it's all, it's all being done. Why? God is cleaning the Christian stage in America and setting it for a whole new cast of voices that he can trust. I believe it's like what Samuel said to Saul. God revealed to Samuel, Saul, you're out. David is coming in. I'm going to put in a person who's after my own heart. And I really believe that that is a cause for us. You know, uh, it was Spurgeon who said, today we have shepherds who lead sheep, but the day is coming when we will have clowns who lead goats. And that's where we are right now. That is true. That is, that really is abso true. absolutely true. Mario, I, I, I've been thinking about what's the difference between Reformation and revival? It seems like in America in the last 100, 120 years, we've had a lot of revivals. We had Pentecostal revival, healing revival, word of faith revival, Jesus movement revival. But we haven't had a third great awakening yet. And if I look at history, what I see the difference is, is that those revivals, God probably always wanted them to engage yeah. the culture, right? Fully step right. forward and engage the culture. But those revivals continued to be inward looking and they never, it's like the fruit never ripened on the tree and they never stepped forward into challenging the culture to reform and submit to the word of God. Do you think I'm right on that or I'm getting closer? What do you think about that? Well, not only are you right, brother, you're scaring me because I'm <laughs> writing, I'm writing an article about the difference between revival and reformation right now. And, uh, Total disclosure, folks, this man was not aware of that. No. I mean, this is scaring me. The, the moment we're in and why revivals don't go to the next level, I'm going to say it fast because I know we have a time limit, is that you look at Elijah on Mount Carmel. This was an emphatic, great, astonishing miracle of God. The fire fell. The Baal prophets were exposed. The, the flames licked up even the rocks and everyone is on their face saying, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. 
And what happened next is within a few hours, Elijah is running for his life and asking God to kill him. Yeah. And, and people are going, well, what in the world happened? And some people say that part of the verse where it says in 1 Kings 19 that Jezebel said, God do so unto me and more if you are not like those prophets by this time tomorrow. And, and so he saw it. And in his mind, he ran. Well, I don't think that's a complete enough answer. I think that he was victimized by his expectation. And you look in Luke 24, the disciples were on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus incognito is walking with them saying, why are you sad? And their answer was, we thought he was going to restore Israel. Their expectation was wrong. And so... What needed to happen is Elijah, in fear, the people didn't really repent. It was like 9-11, we filled the churches and then it didn't last. It was like that. Well, the reason revival doesn't become reformation is because the revivalists are shocked by the long-term work involved in enforcing the miracle that God has done. They immediately are disappointed. They wore themselves out in a multi-week meeting they had no contingency plan. It even happened to Evan Roberts when Jesse Penn Lewis pulled him in his house. He had been criticized by a well-known preacher who said, Evan Roberts' revival isn't real. Mine is in my church. And it hurt him. And he went into a, a spiral. We've got to go into this thing realistic. It's going to take a long-term digging in, blood, sweat, and tears. You know what we need to do is spiritualize the speech that Winston Churchill gave to Parliament uh -huh. when he talked about blood, sweat, and tears. And he said, we're going to go through this, we're going to go through this, we're going to go through this. We have years of work, but here's how revival becomes reformation. When the laws are rewritten. Yeah. When the laws are rewritten. Every reformation, there is a change in culture because a William Wilberforce got rid of slavery or a Martin Luther got rid of the power of the Catholic Church at that time to dominate what a church could be. When the Lutheran Church was permitted to meet together and, and foster its liberty, the truth began. The European Enlightenment was a counterfeit. It was when Martin Luther, based on the Word of God, brought the idea of marriage, the idea of morals, and the idea of salvation by faith, that's how it happens. It's hard work, and we can never back down. You know, let me just confirm that, that I had uh, David and Tim Barton on my television program to talk about the Third Great Awakening because God gave me a word that is happening. God gave David and Tim, and they went back through history. And what you were saying, Mario, about expectations, People think that a revival is just everybody's going to be in love and it's going to be wonderful, but they went back to the American Revolution, was the first great awakening, and it was the result of people coming alive. It, it, there was a war that took place, and it was a turmoil. And actually, there was only about 25% of the Americans that actually fought for the revolution. There was 25% that fought against it, and 50% were indifferent. And then he went right. into the Civil War, and the Civil War was a result of the Second Great Awakening, and because of it, people came alive, and it caused a Civil War, and there was over 600,000 Americans die. 
And they were making the point that this third great awakening is going to be messy. And there is going to be a lot of opposition. It's not going to be like everybody just sits no. around and embraces it. And that's exactly the points that you were making there with Elijah yeah. and others. You know, if you look at the second inaugural speech that Lincoln gave, uh, everyone was thinking he was going to spike the ball and talk about the victory and uh, give these pep talk like uh, a coach would give after victory. Instead, he talked about the what slavery was the cause of the Civil War, the judgment of God on slavery. And then he talked about what it would take to rebuild. And he said, until the last drop of blood drawn from the lash of slavery is replaced by the law drop of blood from the sword. And he said, if it's God's will that that happened, and the New York Times hated it, of course, because instead of it being a pep talk, it was a speech of warning. America, we may go through this, and we're not going to rebuild easily. But if we don't understand that God's ways are perfect and is just, and that justice will only come from God, then we will not make it. So things are coming. But I think that in all of these things, there's going to be a glory and a grace on us that will help us. The Bible says if we're persecuted for righteousness sake, a spirit of glory rests on us. Let me tell you, have you ever felt the presence of God? I'm talking to the audience. Have you ever felt the presence of God? Have you ever been in a meeting where it just came on you and your giant problem shrunk to nothing? I think that when that glory comes on us because we're obedient, these problems, obstacles, persecution will feel like nothing. I'm not saying it'll be easy. Yeah. I'm just saying it's going to be glorious. And I think that there's another parallel we can draw from the slavery being ended and stuff, that when slavery was ended, that did not stop all the racial tension. It went on, and of course, in the 1960s, it festered and led to a lot of things. We've now seen Roe versus Wade overturned, mm -hmm. and that is a great victory, but that has not settled this issue. And unless we learn some things, uh, it could fester if the Lord tarries for another hundred years and all of these things happen. So we're still in a fight. That did not solve the problem any more than the no, Emancipation Proclamation ended all of the racial prejudice. So we're just about out of time, Mario. We got a uh, little under three minutes left. How do people get hold of you? Give some information about your website and things that you're doing, maybe some project or something that people could support and become a part of. Well, on uh, October the 24th and the 25th, Lance Walno and I are going to be in the Hertz Arena in Estero, Florida, 7,000-seat arena together, and it's going to be an outpouring of God's glory. Then on November the 14th through the 17th, I'm in the Placer County Fairgrounds in Roseville, California, which is the continuation of our work on the 99. And we expect thousands to be there. So we want prayer. And you can reach us at mariomarillo.org and find out everything about the book, about what we're doing, and uh, what we're believing God for to happen to America. So on your website, what do you have available? You mentioned one book. Do you have multiple books or other teachings? Or yeah, we have all of our books. And uh, we, have a, we have a thumb drive that has... Uh, 
30 products that I handpick available and uh, it'll give you all the videos, all of the, some written pieces and five best-selling books. So it's mariomarillo.org. Yes, sir. Amen. Do you need any finances? If people wanted to give and be a part of what you're doing, can they do that on your website? Whatever comes in goes out in soul winning. And so whatever anyone can do for us just expands the amount of impact. We do not have a shortage of people that want God. We don't have a shortage of workers. We just have the need to continually believe God for uh, all that we, to pay for it. That's all. That's, well, that's all awesome. we need. Well, we love you, Mario. Thank God for God raising you up. And Amen. praise God, all of us together doing our part. I believe we're seeing a third great yes, awakening sir. happen in this nation. Yes. I also want to thank CTN for carrying this on their network. They've been so generous to do that, and we appreciate it. It's a blessing. And we want to thank all of you for watching. We do this every Monday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. And uh, we have on guests just like Mario Morello, we've had on uh, Governor Huckabee, we've had on some of the people that are the movers and shakers that God is using. And I think it's a great resource. Also, you can go to truthandliberty.net. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And we have a lot of resources there. So we encourage you to check it out. Thanks again, Mario. We love you. Thanks for everybody watching. God bless you. And we'll see you again next Monday night for another Truth and Liberty livecast. God will come through. Miracles are waiting for you, but not if you stay in the boat. It is vital for the church to be the salt of the earth and have the God intended righteous influence on our culture and community. Faith doesn't give you the whole picture. God doesn't tell you every step along the way. He says, trust me. Is the finish line how much stuff you can accumulate before you die and leave it all behind? Or is the finish line standing before God? We must rebuild the United States of America, this constitutional republic under God. The time is now. We cannot wait any longer. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net.